Welcome to Sana Talks to People and Sometimes Herself. So today I am joined by my dear friend Andrew. And uh, in this episode, we'll be talking about... So the topic is authenticity and happiness. Uh, Originally, Andrew and I talked about doing two separate pieces, one on happiness and another one on authenticity. However, after our further conversing on the topics, we decided to combine them together because they do overlap quite a bit. And uh, yeah, so I'm looking forward to this chat. Welcome, Andrew. Thank you very much. It is uh, amazing to be here as always. And uh, continued great job, by the way, Sana. I really love what you're doing here. And uh, I'm so proud to be part of this. Thank you. My pleasure. So um, to, to start us off, um, I remember we were having a really good conversation once and, and, and actually this seems to seep in in many of our conversations. And now I'm noticing since we've identified it and marked it down as a topic of discussion, it, co- it comes up with us so many other people. Authenticity, right? Being genuine. Uh, I actually wrote a piece on my website uh, titled values where I briefly touch on authenticity and uh, here I talked about you know what people value and are you in fact living by those values is this something that you're just admiring or are you actually living them and embodying them and if it's the latter then you know one runs the risk of not being true to oneself and coming out as disingenuous and and also and you see that quite a lot and and i'm not blaming i don't want to sound like oh this generation is like that back in the days to be good i mean i'm i don't i'm not accusing anyone of that there's no generational um, discrimination here i think social media has made it quite difficult for us to be authentic and when i say social media i'm using it as an umbrella term to describe how we communicate through social inter- um, through online platforms and how we're uh, displaying a certain image of ourselves versus what is actually how we're living by them. And also the converse effect, the effect that I'm talking about is the influence we have from others telling you how you should be living your life a certain way. I think the end result at the end, one is left feeling a bit confused as to what you really want, what you really believe in. And consequently, that person is now if you're unaware of who you are, what you stand for, you're gonna have a hard time communicating that to others. In fact, your values are gonna be juxtaposed to others, which is gonna confuse others even more as to, well, who are you for, hold on a sec, who are you, what do you stand for? I think one of the, um, the first signs to find out if you're really being authentic or not in your own life is when somebody comes up to you and says, how are you? Is your automatic reply good? Or fine or do you actually say how you're feeling uh, and if you do automatically just say something like good or fine then I think you need to re-examine how come you're saying this is it just because you don't want to get into it you don't want to um, bother other people with the fact that you're not great if you're not so much I okay I think in Canada we, we we take this for granted, though. You, that's an excellent point. But I feel like in Canada, the how are you is actually just a synonym for hi, which is terrible. <laughs> but it, it's become that way because no one wants to say, oh, you know, I had a really rough week. And OK, you are correct. That is a great sign of, of being genuine. But in my defense 
or in, in the culture's defense, I'll say that it's synonymous with hi. And it's become that greeting, which actually takes away from the actual question, how are you? So if that's already shifting us to respond that way, I wonder if it's seeped into our personal lives too. That's a really good point, actually, because it is an automatic tag on to hi, just hi, how are you? Yeah. And again, that questions our own authenticity on that. And, and do we really care how that person is? Or like <laughs> you say, is it just an extension of our greeting? Yeah, it's uh, I've, I've actually had this conversation with a, with a few people, um, colleagues, friends, uh, family. And, and it does bug me too, right? How are you? Hey, I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. And that's what everyone wants to hear. It's, it's almost, and you know what's interesting? It's funny that you brought that up. Um, I feel like the next thing that's being, t the authenticity is being sucked out of the phrase is, how's your weekend? Mm -hmm. Right? That's like the next one. Hey, how are you? How's your weekend? Mm -hmm. And then you're expected, you basically are having these kind of conversations at a workplace where you don't have much interest in really learning about how the weekend actually was. You just want a short answer that says, good weekend, not so good. Mm -hmm. Well, it was rough, the weather was bad. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a form of small talk again. It's, it's like we're turning these really intimate questions into small talk and we're desensitizing the actual, the words, the mm -hmm. phrases. And we have such a short um, attention span these days, too. So it's <laughs> yeah. really not, hi, how are you? How was your weekend? It's more like, hi, how are you? How was your weekend in 10 words or less? <laughs> yes. <laughs> how I don't do have you time for this. <laughs> how, so how do you respond? Like, knowing you, and I know you're very you're very true to the, your words and, and how you speak, and, and it takes time for you to formulate them, and that's perfectly all right, because some people jump at answers, and others will require some time. So for you, when someone comes up to you, and says, how are you? How do you respond? Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure how to answer this right now, to tell you the truth, because I'm going to be honest, a lot of times my first reaction is just to say, okay, because I'm not good, I'm not bad, I'm just middle of the road. And again, as you know, I'm not a person who really discloses a lot. Right. And I don't want to get into that conversation where people might say, oh, why? What's going on? If I say I'm less than okay. Right. Uh, or if I say good, then say, oh, that's terrific. Great. How is everything? And then it just encourages them to keep asking questions that I don't really want to answer. Right. Um, so I just find if I say okay and leave it at that, uh, usually people will say, okay, great. And then <laughs> I turn the table on them and ask them how they're doing. Uh, but I will be honest, I'm very genuine when I ask people, how are they? because I do care. Um, it, it, for me, it isn't a tag on to high. It's not an automatic thing. It's because I really want to know how people are. That's just me. It would be nice if we're more authentic with the way we speak. It would be very lovely if we had someone be like, hey, how are you? And they're like, you yeah, know, I'm miserable. Mm -hmm. And then the person be like, you know, geez, I'm, I'm sorry, but you know, that's cool. And so for the, the, the receiver to say, that's cool, that's okay, you can be miserable, it's okay, life is not all rainbows and sunshine, mm -hmm. because the minute you hear something like, I'm miserable, uh, typically the reaction is someone's eyes are going to shoot, you know, their eyebrows are going to go up, their jaw's going to drop, and be like, is everything okay? Oh my gosh, are you seeking help? What's going on? Do you need counseling? Perhaps you need to be on antidepressants because you're not happy. And it's like, no, it's okay. Not all of us, like, we're not... It's almost like I think happiness is, it's like this drug that's being injected to everybody. What I meant is, 
it seems like we're deluded to think that you have to be happy all the time mm -hmm. so that when someone tries to be just real we are alarmed and we create the sense of urgency which makes the other person uncomfortable merely for being themselves mm -hmm. so that i think is a bit it's just awful it's it's inauthentic it's i think it's a bit poisonous because we're perpetuating a, a very uh one-sided way of thinking mm -hmm. well absolutely and um you know you said the sense of urgency and that is a, a reaction to when you say well i'm not doing so good there's also the reaction of distancing uh they don't want to be around that right. i've got my own problems you know i don't want to deal with this right now i don't want to hear your problems and so there is that rejection that if you do um show your honesty and say well you know i'm really not doing so good yeah. uh, most people will not want to hear it and uh i'm going to be honest i've run across that more times in my life than i care to uh, admit and uh, again, I'll be very honest with people if they say, how are you doing? I'm not going to say, well, I'm doing miserable today, but I will express that in another way. I'll just kind of go, hmm, hmm, uh, you know, I'll do it more with a facial expression and a groan or a grunt. Um, it sounded like you're enjoying a good candy bar. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> or maybe on mic it sounds like that. <laughs> could be. Well, it, I guess it could sound worse, but... Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, but I don't want to take away. But you're saying that you'll, you'll use nonverbal cues too. Sometimes. Yeah. It depends on who it is. But I will be honest about it. And usually the reaction is, um, you know, maybe someone will say, well, what's going on? But then again, you also don't want to burden them with what is bothering you. So you just might say, oh, I'm just having a bad day and move on. And again, you walk away thinking, I'm not being very real here because it's not just I'm having a bad day. It's there's something personal going on. Mm -hmm. or you know what have you so i think we all deal with inauthenticity in one way or another and um i'm going to go back to what you said about this natural drug so to speak of we all have to be happy mm -hmm. we all have to show our happiness even when we're at the bottom of the barrel we have to just put on a big smiley face. Cheer up, bud. You're the yeah, naked. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, be grateful for what you do have. Hey, it could be worse. And, <laughs> you know, don't tell us something we don't know. <laughs> I know it could be worse. I'm not, it's not that I'm not grateful for what I have, but it, I mean, I am human. I'm allowed to have my bad times and I'm allowed to experience that. And I don't need somebody saying, well, gosh, the sun is shining. Um, and for anyone who knows me, I hate the sunshine, <laughs> so don't say that to me. <laughs> and, and that doesn't mean that you're depressed. That's just your, you don't like the sun. Mm -hmm. That's okay, right? Because yeah. we equate that with, oh, geez, you must have a rough childhood, right? Or, mm -hmm. or something wrong, something's mm -hmm. going on. But mm -hmm. that's just a preference. Yeah. Can we not just be a bit objective in, in not associating all the cheesy, uh, stereotypical views on happiness? Because mm -hmm. happiness has many forms. Yeah gratitude has many forms and as you're saying like you're so grateful you you're you're still allowed to feel your emotions for sure for sure and um again i don't want someone giving me a quick you know 30 second psychiatry uh session to fix all my problems with just oh gosh you know get out there and get some fresh air a uh, breath of fresh air and uh you know um go treat yourself to your favorite piece of cake or something <laughs> Uh, this is not the kind of thing that's going to get you out of that funk where you're feeling so low that you cannot mask it. 
and I don't think we should have to mask it in all honesty. We need to, I think, be real with each other. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think I don't have a lot of friends. <laughs> it's okay. I don't want to be around that depressed guy. It's okay. No, it's, it's about, it's quality, not quantity, right? It's exactly. always quality, not quantity. And I'm sure people will tell you that those that, that do have many and many, and it's uh Personally, I find it, it it's it's exhausting. Yeah. It's very exhausting, socially speaking. Um, as someone who's a highly sensitive person, identifies as that, I, I find it very socially draining. So um, it, it could be a blessing too, <laughs> to, to be very, to conserve your energy, to look after you. But I had a question for you, Andrew. So in, um, you know, you said that it would be a better place if we were all just more authentic, if we all just uh, said what, how we felt. So how would, in that ideal world, what would that interaction look like? If I say, how are you? And you're like, eh, not so good. So lead, walk us through that. What's an example of that? Hmm, that's a really good question. Well, I think the very first thing that came to my mind was uh, how would a conversation work like that? It would be a lot more extensive. It wouldn't just be, hi, how are you? Good, okay, have a good day. Um, if you're not so great, then we might be a little more authentic in saying, oh, what's going on? You want to talk about it? Mm-hmm. Uh, is there anything I can do to make you feel better? Um, How can I support you? Yeah, exactly. Right. And I think more details will come out that way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, unless you had the, the, the most fabulous, amazing weekend in the world with detail after detail, when you're good, you're really just going to say, I'm good. Everything's fine. Right. You're not really going to get into the details too much. And I think also it helps to get to know each other a little more better and understand each other and be more empathetic and uh, really see that there's more than just the surface, the sunshiny surface with a smile on. Right. Um, at the same time, I don't know, some people may uh, may not be comfortable with that, mm-hmm. you know, and I know there's no such thing as 100% authenticity. Right. There's no such thing. Look at the news for Pete's sake. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, that's supposed to be the one authentic resource we have out there, and it, we know it's not. Is it? <laughs> what foreign concept do you so. speak of? <laughs> <laughs> Way back in the day when Walter Cronkite was around. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know if I'm making sense with what I'm saying here. Um, but what do you think? Uh, what do you think it, it would look like if we were a lot more authentic with each other? Uh, I think it's you already covered what that would look like. I, you, you brought some great points. Like first and foremost, we would need to have better relationships with the people that we do associate with, and that goes down to communication, right? If I know that I'm spending X amount of time with somebody, whether it's at work, whether it's at home, am I going to establish what kind of relationship am I establishing, right? If I choose to live in a world where I'm saying I'm not at work to make friends, right? eventually so we're spending more than half of our day at work consequently more than half our lives at work at least speaking from a canadian culture uh, the working class in canada will have to agree that with that and if that's your reality then how sad of a reality if you're living with people that you do not want to associate with or learn so i think there's something really wrong with that inherently in in terms of well i'm not going to get to know because there are these guys but and, and I think it's not that that person, too. It's those people, too. There's because both parties are saying, oh, it's fine. I'm going to keep you at an arm's length. 
And what that does is it creates this disingenuity between in in the workplace because if you know if you get to know someone well you then establish trust and you can still be and I know sometimes this could be a conflicting because you might think that well you would then start to develop biases right so let's say if you and I were colleagues and we became good friends and we went out let's say we go golfing we're good friends right we do creative things together and then you get a promotion Right. And later on, you're going to now have this bias towards me, obviously, because you're, you're going to want to favor me more because you know me more. I'm not I acknowledge that that's one of the dangers. And that's one of the reasons why some people or some workplace cultures uh, try to keep that culture separate. And I understand wholeheartedly what the theory behind is. What I'm suggesting or merely saying is that if we try to if we're intelligent beings, which we are, in order for us to get to know and make better relationships with others, we'll be happier, we'll be more productive. If we're more comfortable, we're more productive. If we're more productive, we'll succeed more. So not only will the organization do well as a whole, but we will feel better as people. And it's like a psych it's cyclical, right? It's, it's like, a, so one can't be without the other. So if we have those relationships, if we nurture them and, and then understand that actually let's make an effort to get to know all the people that we actually do work with right or people that are you around it doesn't even have to be work like who in your life do you see a lot who in your life do you bump into more have you made any effort to really know something about them anything that would make you both have a very genuine even if it's a 10 minute chat because that authentic chat can be more um more gratifying than 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 for one person who isn't let's say doesn't have any friends or doesn't choose to have friends or whatever the reason is but we all know we all know when we had that good heart to heart with someone and how good it feels right it's like a high we, we go we think about it for days we, we smile and we go yeah that was a really good chat right yeah. and so it's we know exactly what it feels like when we're authentic so my 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 dilemma is why are we so scared to be authentic and if it's to avoid these biases well then Perhaps our approach should be to be have equality in our authenticity, right? So what that looks like is I'm not going to cherry pick and if I don't have to like everybody, but just because I don't like them doesn't mean I can't have an authentic conversation with them. And only if I have this authentic conversation with them, will I be able to get to know them from their viewpoint, which is actually going to help me with my implicit bias in the first place. So I do think that as you pointed out, getting to know people, having the, that good communication relationship is integral. Uh, and in terms of the dialogue, it's what you already described, right? Like, oh, how can I support you? Or is do you want to talk about it perhaps later? Or, hey, let's go for coffee. And I've done that too, like with, with some people I've met and I've, I've noticed some things were off and, and I would pick up those cues. So maybe somebody wouldn't, but whatever context, if it comes up and now you're aware of it, right? Or what are you going to do? Are you going to say, um hey cheer up let's you know uh and, and talk about you know give them a short counseling session or are you gonna say hey let's have lunch sometime because for me that lunch sometime sounds more appealing because here i'm actually giving somebody a chance to tell me about themselves mm -hmm. in a way that's not uh, restricted by time or pressure right so i'm giving them the opportunity to get to know them in their own element if they want to get to know me yeah um, along that lines, I think 
for me anyway, and I think a lot of other people are probably the same way, that if you do expose yourself to somebody else by saying, you know, I'm not really doing so good today, a lot of times, most of the time maybe, all we want is to be heard right. and to be understood and not brushed off. Right. And, you know, with that, you know, well, tomorrow's another day. <laughs> yeah. You know, look at the positive side of things uh, because that doesn't do jack. We know that. I've been guilty of that. <laughs> I so have been guilty of that. I'm a very chipper person by nature, and I feel like it just comes out. Well, like, oh, the weather is great. Isn't it lovely? Blah, blah, blah. And for some, oh, my goodness. I'm go I am working on that. Absolutely. I never claimed that I was perfect. That's okay. You don't have to be. But at least you're authentic about it. Again, uh, going back to our topic, you know, I like that you're honest about that. Thank and you. I think we've all been guilty of that at some point or another. And, and again, it's probably an automatic reaction more than anything else. But from the perspective of the person who is in pain, it's just hear me, feel me, show me you care, show me your understanding what I'm saying. Um, you know, maybe you don't have to offer me a lunch or maybe you don't have to offer me an hour of your time to, to tell you what's on my mind, but at least show me you care. Hmm. Give me that opening that if I ever did need to talk to somebody, you would be there. Hmm. And I could count on that, that you would take me seriously. Right. And again, I know from a personal perspective, that's usually what I just look for in somebody. They don't have to, you know, um, uh, turn water into wine for me. Mm. They just that have, would be nice. That would, well, <laughs> not for a non-drinker, oh. but <laughs> maybe water into Pepsi or something. <laughs> water into orange juice. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, sorry. No, 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 it's fine. Um, and I, I'd like to kind of rewind a little bit because, you know, well, first of all, we don't want to be authentic. I don't believe we want to be inauthentic. Yes. I don't think we're trying to just brush people off and ignore that. I just, in all honesty, think that we're all so sheltered. We all want to be authentic. We all want to be able to say how we feel. But we're fearing that rejection. That if we are real about not feeling so good, that people are going to reject that. And we're afraid to face that. And part of that is, again, our society that we're in now. That... Uh, as time goes on, there's so much more out there to to cause us stress mm -hmm. in our personal lives when we turn on the news, whatever it is. And um, kind of losing my train of thought here, showing my age. <laughs> um, but I, I think, again, because of the society we're in where we are dealing with a lot of stressors, maybe more now than we have in recent memory, we don't want to face additional stressors. And we want to put up uh, more smiles and more feel-good moments and that sort of thing and so with that in our society it's harder to come out and say oh I feel gloomy today mm. because we always feel like oh there's enough in the world as it is we don't want to create more or right. there's enough in the world I don't want to hear more right and the rewind part I was going to mention was at the beginning you talked about social media Mm -hmm. And I think it actually expands beyond that. If you look at the music industry, the entertainment industry in general, over the last 20 or 30 years, it's become increasingly inauthentic in my point of view. Yeah. For example, if you look at music, how much of that is computer generated? But I think yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah, and, and, yeah, you know, absolutely. Things like CGI. Yeah. You yeah. know, you watch a movie and say, oh my God, what a beautiful background. And then you find out it's green screen. Yeah. And it just takes you right out of that. Uh, again, like I say, the music, it's not just the music being computerized. Again, it's the vocals. Right. You put someone in there who looks the part, but they can't sing work at the lick, but they've got auto-tune auto or whatever it's called to make right. them sound 
sort of half decent or right. like a robot whatever um <laughs> and television shows as well i mean you how many reality shows are out there where people are not authentic because we these reality shows that are supposed to be reality shows are anything but reality they're scripted yeah even the um the the home uh, renovation shows i watch sometimes uh, oh, i'm not yeah. going to mention any names but there's <laughs> a load of scripted moments in there and it's it's clear to see and i just scratch my head and i think isn't this supposed to be real isn't that the whole point of the word reality yeah so there's so much inauthenticity beyond social media right you know it's in the entertainment industry it's uh, again going on to the news we know that there's a lot of um, fake news out there and uh, oh yeah so, so I, I, we're surrounded by it mm -hmm. and it's hard to be in a society where you don't know what's real it, I mean it's you're right it's 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 this attitude it's a mindset that we have now because we're just exposed to it constantly from the music we listen to from the things we consume on tv from the news that we listen to from the very definition of what reality tv is supposed to be like um and, I, and i'm not saying it's it's bad to enjoy those things they can be really comical there's there's some hilarious moments i mean if that's your thing then great right like but the point that we're getting at is is look around you how much of what you're consuming is authentic right and, and it's uh brings me back to that happy obsessed mm -hmm. um culture right where we're watching sitcoms or dramas and we're, we're laughing and we're thinking it doesn't have an effect on us we're thinking yeah it's just tv but it actually has quite an effect on us it really does um the way we see people interact and treat each other on tv we unconsciously are capable of acting out those ways especially if you're a person that doesn't have a good family upbringing family dynamics and lord knows how many of us come from <laughs> dysfunctional families right that's like how many grains of sand are in the beach right so it, it's not everyone is going to have the benefit of having a strong unit of upbringing that they're able to ignore the authenticity that's out there so many of us look to uh, the television the music to help us they they raise us they create they they are a huge force in the way we interact and our social interactions are because again not everyone's picking up a book written by psychologists on how to deal with things not a lot of us are doing that we're looking to tv to sort of teach us these social skills these social skills that are so scripted and inauthentic that they're breeding this delusional reality that we have which then we struggle with and we wonder why just in terms of people following something that they've seen and it affects them and they take something that they've seen on tv and they apply it to their personal life as if that's like a good rule not understanding that the characters that they're basing them on are quote-unquote idiots and the show knows it the writers know it but we we like this idea and we think oh yeah that's a good way to live and can we take it out of context and apply it to our lives thinking that, that that's an interesting way not knowing the detrimental effects of that one action that we so we just carelessly picked it or looked at so um yeah you're right it's a lot of inauthentic and also this uh these one-dimensional characters right and again it's comedy it's funny it's great but if everything we watch are like that and i love i love my marvel movies my superhero movies i am a huge fan i'm in fact going to do a huge podcast on one of the movies with my other friend uh mike but the one thing i'm noticing too and um so in in these superhero movies you have these people made out of steel you know taking over the world and saving everybody 
and they go through such trauma and all this and we never see the other end of it we never see how they deal with it we just see them the next day when they pick up and basically a journey that's supposed to take years we see like a day of it and it's interesting if our we learn by storytelling and if the stories that we're consuming are these superhero stories we're in a big shock because we're going to be now expecting people to be like superheroes, to move at the pace of superheroes because we see it on TV and then we expect a person to be able to recover and get up like that. And I think very few shows actually focus on the actual trials and tribulations that come with trauma and how a person recovers or even the realities of the uh, mundane or monotony that life faces and how important those little things are and that kind of seep into also our deluded expectations of love i can go on but but these things i think and this is why i really i don't like the fact that these other movies are dubbed as chick flicks sometimes and that actually there's there's I like to call it like you have chick flicks and then you have dick flicks, which are like, you know, the, the superhero stuff, right? So with chick flicks, we have this, again, reality created. I don't like either terms. I just like, I'm just saying that, hey, there's a, there's a flip side to the coin, right? If you make fun of a lot of women or, or other individuals that have watched these sappy movies, well, guess what? The superheroes one are just as sappy. In fact, they're, 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 they're both skewing reality in a way that's, that's giving us really twisted expectations of how a a person is supposed to deal with love mm -hmm. and how b on the other side a person is supposed to deal with um conflict and and be this man of steel and, and communicate so it is really interesting and and i the kinds of movies that i like the most are the dramas that explore the in uh, the idiosyncrasies of relationships oh those are the ones that like i eat them up and they're heavy and not everyone likes that. But then the response I get, oh, that was too heavy. Mm -hmm. Oh, it got too sad. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I feel like I, I love that because that's, I'm just saying, yes, this is, this is actually mm -hmm. closer to reality than anything I've seen. Yeah, and I'm on board with you on that one. Um, I, too, don't like these terms like chick flicks and, and the other one you mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> I just kind of threw that in. I have been saying I've that a lot. I've never heard of it. I, I think, think that's brilliant. I love that. <laughs> um, but, I, you know, I'm the same way as you. I like something with substance to it. Right. I don't just like, I mean, every so often it's great to watch an action movie where you just get involved in this crazy story and you don't always have to worry about the background. Once in a while, that's all right. Mm -hmm. um, but I, too, am more into the... Um, something with some substance to it and even if it's the saddest thing in the world if i got something out of it then terrific mm -hmm. uh, i'm being authentic with what i like and what my emotions are how it moved me whatever it is and i'm okay with that but when someone else comes along and says oh my god what a drag right or you know it's so boring and depressing blah 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 uh you know this goes I'm sorry, I'm going to take this off track a little bit here. That's okay. You've heard me complain about this before. <laughs> Our friends uh, who present us the weather on the news every day, you know, if it's a sunny day, they're going on at great lengths about it. But if it's a cloudy or rainy day, they automatically call it a write-off. Hmm. And, um, you know, not for everybody. Right. You know, I like rainy days. I like it overcast. And so there's that bias again, and it goes back to what you're saying about these uh, movies or TV shows or whatever. If something is a little heavy or dramatic, that is great because it is authentic. It is life. And it's okay to, to enjoy that without feeling like, oh, no, 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 I have to watch something that's ridiculously crazy and, 
and uh, you know, mm-hmm. just uh, an attack on your uh, your visuals with all this, <laughs> you know, people bouncing off walls and stuff. Um, and again, I don't know where I'm going with this, but I'm just agreeing with you. <laughs> uh, and as you were talking, I thought, you know, you were talking about movies uh, that you enjoy that have some substance to it, and I thought. I've had the same three favorite movies for years now, and as I recall it now, they are like that. They all have a great deal of substance. There is a lot of human exploration, mm-hmm. and I like comedies as much as everyone. I like action films, um, but these are the ones that relate to me the most, mm-hmm. and I think it's because of the authenticity about it. There mm-hmm. is more substance, there is more structure, and there is more to like about the characters rather than, as you say, one-dimensional people. Right, right. Would you care to share at least one of these movies and like talk about what made it, what made it so authentic? Yeah, um, it's hard to pick them, to tell you the truth. <laughs> um, well, my top choice is actually um, from 1987. It's a movie called Light of Day. And it's a Michael J. Fox movie that really never got a lot of attention. And it's not even on DVD. Oh. And I don't know if it's because of the music licensing or whatever it is. I don't know the reason why it's not on DVD. And that breaks my heart because, like I say, it's my favorite movie. But really, it's just about a working class family in uh, Cleveland. Uh, Brother and sister are trying to get by on a day-to-day basis. And uh, they have their own personal dramas in life along with dealing with their parents situations and their friends and uh just getting by every day and and she's a single mom and uh they have a side project that they're working on and uh, they have a lot of conflict between them because even though they're close they're very different Hmm. and that creates a lot of difficulties between the two and uh so it is a very deep and dramatic ex um uh example of a family dynamic especially in a working class suburb of a place like cleveland Mm-hmm. Um, and I just like the ride that it takes you on. And again, it's not over the top or anything. It keeps it at a certain level. Right. Uh, yeah, there are some highs. There are a few lows, of course. But overall, it's a real good... Um, uh, I, um, I, I, I can't think of the word right now, but it, it really does look deeply at the family dynamic. Mm-hmm. Uh, Depiction of family dynamic. Yeah, exactly. Another one of my favorites is uh, 12 Angry Men. And we're going back to, you know, black and white. But this is a terrific movie. It's about 12 jurors. They're all men. And they're all deliberating the fate of a young man who's been accused of murder. Hmm. And, uh, you know, 11 or... I don't want to give the plot away. But uh, the basic idea is... Spoiler alert. um, 11 of them are voting one way. And one of them is choosing to vote the other way. And he takes it upon himself to try to prove to the others that his vote or his uh, verdict is the correct one hmm. and it is a and they're all locked in one room for the entire movie right, well. right but you can imagine with all these different personalities and all the different conflicts and discussions about this whole case uh, it actually becomes very fascinating to watch this and to learn more about the characters as they go along hmm. that sounds that sounds really interesting um, and I appreciate you sharing this. I think it's, uh, it is helpful to at least discuss, you know, it's not just a bashing of the media <laughs> or, or what's portrayed. We know that there's some authentic stories out there. We know that there's also tragedies, right? If you look at some great pieces of literature, they all are very tragic stories. And, and for a person to have gone through that and understand that and relate to that and really, really 
come out with that it, it's, it's indicative of okay they've they've now experienced a whole slew of emotions that's closer to reality than than what we're fed generally speaking on a day-to-day basis on mm-hmm. by our lovely weather people and the news <laughs> and <laughs> and the music that we listen to yeah. um when you mentioned that the 12 men were locked in the room it reminded me of the, the movie lock it's with tom hardy and the entire movie takes place him driving his car it's him in his car and i just i really enjoyed that movie what i liked about that movie that it was very authentic you see this man basically he's in this conundrum and he's now calling people and dealing with different people in his life and you see all of his emotions and guess what he cannot hide them behind anything because he's behind the wheel so you see him experience life just just by the camera on him and it's incredible how how well he did um yeah it's a very very good movie i've only seen it once i'd want to watch it again but that you know it it shows you the the complexity of human emotion and life in general and and how one goes beyond that or what the feelings are i'm not saying it's a true indication i just really enjoyed that ride (laughs) i enjoy so it's it's a very good movie and another one that i i it's one of my personal favorites is um, Her with Joaquin Phoenix and Rooney Mara. And I really like this movie because I've... Now, I didn't grow up watching a lot of these so-called quote-unquote chick flicks. Again, I don't like the term. I shouldn't be using it. A lot of these sappy romantic movies. Um, and I did watch a few <laughs> at the behest of some of my uh, kind of persuasive girlfriends who were like, you gotta watch this! And so I... And I, it was a huge turn off again because I was just like oh this is so cheesy this is so this is not real this is not even close to real um, and sometimes it's okay to enjoy that fantasy but I couldn't take it so when I watched this movie again for anyone that hasn't seen it it's basically <laughs> I'm not going to give anything away but it's funny you're dealing with um, an artificial intelligence in a relationship so a person like is in love with kind of their computer right but what I really like about it that it it covers it shows you love from different angles it shows you the pain of love the joy of love and how it unfolds and I don't think many movies talk about all those aspects of love or the way love is portrayed is very different so I thought her and I think I kind of related because I myself has have been through divorce have been through you know we talked about love and loss and you know to have really good relationships that we grow from learn from and like speaking of love in that way right i don't think a lot of movies talk about love in that way and i do like those kinds of movies and another one i'll just quickly mention is is a french movie called uh tous les soleils like it translates to like all the suns but um it's silence of the i forgot there's a separate english title gonna say solace in the lambs but that is a completely different movie slightly different yeah. no no it's not silence of the lambs i think the silence of love i'm i'm, I'm pretty I'm not i even, hope so I'm, I'm not so tule soleil um if you look it up it's it's a beautiful movie and it's about a a, a father a, um, a single father who you know has a daughter and his his dynamic his relationship and you know there's these it's it's i don't know i i I absolutely loved it because i thought it was just so 
again, it's the dynamic between the daughter. It's it's people he's meeting. It's his relationship at work. It's it's interesting when directors try to really show you the person in all their how multifaceted are there, but but give us a good picture of what makes this person the way they are. Yeah. And just to be clear, he does not eat people. Right? <laughs> This is not Silence of the Lambs. I repeat, it's not Silence of the Lambs. I have still not seen that movie. It's on my list, though. Oh, God. Um, So I I guess I'd like to come back to, we were talking earlier about showing our emotions or being true to ourselves and how we feel when people ask us how we're doing. Mm -hmm. So... You know, obviously, we're going to be a lot more authentic with the people who are closest to us in our life. Right. So, for example, Sana, if you called me up one day and you said, hey, Andrew, how are you doing? And I'm not doing good. I feel free to tell you that. Right. And I know you're going to be cool with that. You're not going to give me the standard, oh, you know, tomorrow's a better day and mm-hmm. look at the bright side and all this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hear I, it's going to rain tomorrow. Come on. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. Um, <laughs> no, I was just playing yeah, out that. <laughs> yeah, I know you're not going to do that to me, you know. Um, but because, you know, we're close. We, you know, mm-hmm. we're good friends. And uh, I know that the people who I'm closest with would not do that. And hopefully we're all in the same boat with that. But when you are dealing with people who are not in that zone where you feel comfortable enough telling them oh i'm not doing so good today what do you say when someone asks you how you're doing and you're not doing so good i'm glad you brought that up because you know of course we're not all surrounded by our best buds and good friends and and we're always around people that we don't have to be good friends with everybody and that's okay um in that case I feel like, you know, it's similar to, to what you said earlier, right? To, if someone asks you, you don't, you don't have a good relationship with them and they say, how are you? I would, if I was trying to be really authentic, I would say, you know what? Not so good. But I would say it with a, like a conviction as like in confidence, because it all also depends on how I communicate that to somebody, which is part two of the story, right? Part one is being authentic, but part two is how am I communicating this to my friends and family or or, call, or people around me that I don't want to be best friends with, right? Because if I, like, if I look at them and I'm tearing up and I'm saying, I'm okay, right? They're going to know I'm not okay. And, and if they feel alarmed and get that emergency reaction, that knee-jerk reaction of, oh, come on, cheer up, I don't blame them. They're doing their best they're trying their best to help me in the in whatever way they can um but of course it's going to be different than if they were helping their best friend right so i feel like there's two there's many things at play here number but to break it down to simplify it first and foremost i have to be genuine enough to actually say i'm not okay but i have to be okay with not being okay right because if i'm not okay with being not okay (laughs) then i'm sending a message that i need help now and that is alarming and then if i'm giving that message then i shouldn't expect others to be as authentic because they're going to be worried about me so i feel like it's like i can say i'm okay and be okay with not okay and if i communicate that in that way it may even make the person look at me and go oh like i'm in fact challenging them right and it it all depends on how i'm able to articulate with them with conviction with a good disposition and actually just see what they have to say right and then if they say something to me oh cheer up and i'm like really really and i could laugh and say this 
and again, it's the way, not laugh in a disparaging way, but, but, but kind but educating the other person that, Hey buddy, it's okay if I'm not okay. And guess what? I'm okay with not being okay because it's just one of those days. So I think it's on my part to communicate that and educate that, that the, the social skill of accepting the, the bad days and accepting the good days. It's it's really on me. I can't blame other people for their reactions all the time because what I have control of is how I say what I say it. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I think I would do it that way, kind of to challenge and it becomes sort of an educated lesson if someone tries to prod and say, well, cheer up, it's gonna be a great day. And I'm like, you know what? No, what I'm going through will take time. And it's okay, because guess what? I'm okay with not being okay. Mm-hmm. And I've been guilty of this on the other end. It's just my personality, right? Sometimes super chipper, some t- uh, and sometimes I will say things that uh, that are just automatic, and then I have to take them back. And I'm learning this from some pe- close people around me, that when they say, yeah, I'm not okay, you know, and to just watch my reaction, mm-hmm. right? So uh, there's two things here, me as a giver of the comment, and also as a receiver of the comment. Mm-hmm. I think we all have our part to play in both of those roles. And you kind of read my mind there because that was going to be my next point when you say it's not just what you say, it's how you say it. Right. Because if someone says to you, how are you? And you say, well, I'm okay. Or you can say, I'm okay. Yeah. There are two different (laughs) different messages there. Yes. You know, one is, hey, uh, you know, I'm not doing great, but I'm I'm all right enough. I'm going to get by. I'll get through this. One is, it's not a good day. You know, things are not going so well right now. So the way we communicated, I'm so glad you said that, uh, is so important because it's not just the words. And um, I also like that you said, I'm okay with not being okay. Because for most of my life, I was going through the same thing where I felt always that I had to say, oh, I'm good, I'm fine. And uh, after a while, I hated myself because I wasn't being true. Mm -hmm. And I got tired of it because, as you mentioned earlier, it is draining Mm-hmm. when you are um, feeling really low and you already don't have energy and then you're trying to put on this uh, energy that you don't have, mm-hmm. that is very draining. It's very taxing, not just physically, but emotionally and mentally. Right. And after a while, I got so tired of being uh, less than true about how I was feeling that I just said, screw it. Um, if someone asks me how I'm doing, if I'm not doing good, I'm going to say that. And if they have a problem with it, that's not my concern. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I got kind of an attitude about that. Mm-hmm. And more or less, it was just to preserve my own well-being because I just couldn't keep going on and saying, I'm great when I'm not. Yeah. I'm great. I'm great. Great. Great day. Good day. Good day. And you're right. It takes away from your own, you know, your own language. Your own vernacular is distorted and it's it's poisonous, right? Because if I'm repeating those words, they're going to become part of my habit, the way I interact with my myself. So I'm happy to hear that, you know, you took the stance to take accountability for your own actions. And in this case, it was, you know, I've got to train myself to just say I'm not and it's okay. Um, and, and bringing it back to, again, this, this incessant need to be happy, right? <laughs> so we've talked about authenticity quite a lot and how it's portrayed in our culture, in the stories we hear in in. And then there's also happiness, right? I I mean, and I know we've we've touched on that, but I wanted to just touch a little bit, go a little bit further with happiness and and why, why why are we in in a culture where it's just this need to be happy that that the minute somebody feels uh, any other emotion other than happiness, sometimes they'll say, oh, am I depressed, right? Because sometimes it's just, 
depression is a very serious condition, uh, right? It's it's uh, an imbalance in your neurotransmitters. It's a chemical imbalance. It's a it's under mental health, and not everybody is depressed. And I think it's one of those terms that we throw around quite frivolously. And it's, it is a bit dangerous to those that actually suffer from chronic depression. Uh, just like OCD is. I've had, uh, I've had to correct or just say to people, like, you know what? I know of someone with OCD. You don't have OCD. Mm-hmm. Just because you're not organized or mm-hmm. you're, you're a bit messy doesn't mean you have OCD. Mm-hmm. And I think depression is one of those things that we're throwing around too. Instead of saying, I'm sad. I'm going through something tough at the moment. I'm just processing my emotions. We say, well, I'm depressed. Mm-hmm. And... And maybe I'm wrong because there maybe that depression, it could be that condition, but it's also a way to express those bad feelings and emotions. Mm-hmm. But I think because the stigma is there with depression, it's again, it's it's tab. It, it, we look at it differently. Oh, someone's depressed. Well, better be careful. Or, or if we see somebody that may give us indications that they've been depressed in whatever way, whether it's physical things we noticed about them. You're right. People tend to distance, right? Oh, that's too much for me. I don't think I have the emotional energy to deal with this person. But we ourselves are used throwing these terms around. And it takes away from the actual depression and the pain that comes with depression. So, But I, it also is attributed to, well, can't we just feel our emotions and, and express them and articulate them using the English language as opposed to having it in absolutes? Either I'm happy or I'm depressed. I fully agree. Um, you know, people do throw around these words like they're buzzwords. Yeah. Um, and this is where I think a lot of, um, I guess you could say when we aren't, uh, showing our true emotions, because as you said, we're in a society where we always have to be happy. We feel that we have to hide our unhappiness whether we're having a bad day or whether we're generally unhappy in life, whatever the case, or somewhere in between, we always feel we have to hide that. The more we hide that, the more we keep it to ourselves, the worse we are going to be with our, our moods, mm-hmm. mood disorders, etc. And that's going to fluctuate, uh, sorry, excuse me, that's going to um, uh, foster that even more so. Um, and I don't know why we are so fixated on everybody always having to be happy I I wish I knew I really did it drives me up the wall (laughs) as I'm sure it does to you and so many other people Uh, but I I, I have no idea why it's like that all I can figure out is nobody wants to deal with it and maybe I'm wrong I don't know Um, deal with what the the flip side of it right? the flip side of it yeah I mean uh, if you're going through a difficult time either you personally don't want to admit to it and deal with it you don't want to uh um, face the fact that you are unhappy for whatever reason, but also other people around you um, may not always want to deal with it. Hmm. They, just, Like I said earlier, I got my own problems. I, I don't need this. I don't want to deal with your stuff too. Mm-hmm. And I know I've talked to people before. They, no matter how many times you say to them, I'm always here for you. If you ever need to talk, let me know. And then you find out they're going through a hard time and they, they say to you, well, I didn't want to burden you. I know you've got a lot going on in your own. So we as individuals, too, who are going through a difficult time, we take it upon ourselves to hold it to ourselves so we don't burden other people. And so we are all just in tune one way or the other with the society, with our growing up, our culture, whatever the case, that 
Happiness is the only option. Hmm. Sadness is not an option. It's not good. You're not allowed to feel it. You're not allowed to tell anybody else. And, um, you know, you just have to put on a smiley face. In response to what you just mentioned was, um, as a receiver too, one can feel that they're not equipped to deal with this, you know, in, 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 in whatever way. Right. And, and I believe that's a reflection of our society and how, how well we have the social skills to handle conflict, to handle malaise, misery, melancholy. We're not very, we're not brought up to deal with it. We're not, we don't have the tools, the social skills. We're not trained to deal with it. And that's actually, it, it has, it would have a, uh, like a domino effect because I, if I'm not trained with it, I'm going to keep it to myself too. And I'm going to give out to others that same energy. And then they're going to learn from me. Oh, Sana, I, I burden her. I'm not going to do it. And it's going to continue and continue. So it is a, is it a reflection, a poor reflection on the lack of social skills that we have? Like how, what, and obviously it's psychiatrists, psychologists, people that have therapists have written books and there, these people are out there. There are answers to how to deal with uh, things strategically, how to foster a sense of community, a support network, and, and actually work together with problems because we're social beings. We're supposed to interact with each other. We're supposed to rely on one another, not just accept help, not just sorry, ask for help, but, but accept help if somebody's asking. And I, I, the more I, I grow up, the more I see people like not asking or accepting. Everyone is just in their bubble. And I'm guilty of this too. And this is because of the way I was raised. And unfortunately, my family was not uh, trained to deal with, with the, didn't have a very good support network, not a good support system. And, and those that are out there that do, uh, you know, you may take it for granted that you have these found family foundations established that allow you to interact with multiple people on different events and whatever, what have you. But you have a support network where people lend out hand, simply lend out a hand because you're family. Now, for those that that aren't equipped to deal with that, we pass it on to others. And and, and so it, it seems like most of us are just emotionally wounded walking around the streets not not knowing how to heal but working hard to heal but also think saying well how can i help you when i can't even help myself so uh, to know no in in their defense you know I, I i see this i i feel it and and i i mean i wanted to change i made an effort to read to educate myself to really uh listen to therapists to ac counseling right accepted go to different counselors because sometimes counseling is like trying a pair of jeans you got to find one that fits right fits your personal style um and not painting them all with the same uh, paint brush i'm terrible at idioms not what's the uh paint wall with the same brushes basically yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's okay. That's the one. Now, basically, if I have one bad experience, I can't say, well, all therapists are bad. Or if I read one book that wasn't that great, oh, all books are bad, right? Like, I'm, I'm not, we have to persevere and continue and try and fail and try and fail and try and fail until we feel like we're equipped with some social armor, right? And this social armor consists of emotional intelligence and support network and knowing how to deal with this, how to bring up those issues with others, perhaps connect them to resources. Mm -hmm. And I think 
Yeah, any, anyway, that's where I was going with that. Um, well, I am going to challenge you a little bit on that, uh, just in terms of when we're talking about seeking professional help. Mm-hmm. Because in our society now, here in Canada, and I don't know what it's like in other countries right now, but here in Canada, there are long waiting lists to get in to see um, psychological professionals, unfortunately. And a lot of them are limited. You can only have maybe 8 or 10 or 12 sessions at the most. Mm -hmm. And that's really disheartening for people who may need a lot of time to talk through what they're going through and to sit on a waiting list for 6 or 12 months um, and then only have a few sessions to, to talk about things. And usually the first session is all about your background, so that's one right out the window. You don't really get to explore anything. And then, again, I don't want to, as you said, paint them all with the same color or the brush or whatever you say. Um, A lot of times when you go to see a professional, the very first thing they're going to say is, okay, let's see if we can get you on an antidepressant. Right. You know, and that seems to be the go-to. And in all the people that I talk to in my workplace, the clients that I deal with who are going through this and who have gone to therapy, they've pretty much said the same thing to me is they wanted to get me on antidepressants. I didn't want to take them. They didn't work for me. And that was really the go-to. And that doesn't work for anybody. Not everybody, excuse me. And it's very similar to what you said about Um, different methods of trying to get through what you're going through with antidepressants there are so many out there the first one's not always going to be the one that works for you Mm -hmm. you know you may have to go through five or six before you find one that's going to be working for you but regardless I think a lot of times people are maybe scared off about the idea of being put on a long waiting list or um, not having a lot of time with a therapist or being loaded up with antidepressants right off the bat and unfortunately, um, you know, so that that's where my, my bit of a challenge. Yes, there is help out there, but it's not always readily available, unfortunately. And, and that's what's really heartbreaking because in our society, so many more people nowadays do suffer from some sort of mental health issue, whether sure. it's anxiety, depression, a bipolar disorder, mood disorder. And there's not enough help out there for them, especially not enough immediate help. So to answer these I mean, I don't think that therapy has all the answers. Um, no. Absolutely. And I didn't, I didn't obviously accuse you of saying that either. I'm just putting it out there. Um, but therapy can really help. So there's different types of therapists out there, right? There are, well, first and foremost, if, if let's say you're trying and they're booked, well, there's other avenues available to seek social support. So or to seek support. So one of them would be a community groups, right? Am I part of a community, whether it's by creed, whether it's by uh, hobbies, interest, uh, you know, workplace, whatever community I've formed, do I have a a group of people I can uh, chat with and do something fun? And at the same time, because these authentic conversations need to happen with people that we're comfortable with. So that community becomes very integral to our, um, to helping us go through these emotions um it doesn't mean we replace our friends with therapists and for some people they've done that and it's worked out great but it's a lot of pressure on a friend so then therapy comes into mind well if there's different types of therapists out there right there's psychotherapists there's psychiatrists there's psychologists um and maybe you have people that are well versed in 
Like someone could have studied, you know, have an undergrad in psychology and be, have a wealth of resources or theories to challenge you and talk to you about. So I'm not saying that our friends should take the role of therapists. Absolutely not. But, you know, psychiatrists have the ability to because these are medical doctors, right? They're, they can prescribe medication. So not all therapists have the ability to prescribe medication. So then we have to now seek those psychotherapists or therapists and, and actually um, sift between them. Mm-hmm. So I do think that there's others that are available. There's not just that one. Um, and we may have to pay. And some people would say, well, you know, I don't want to pay this extra, but then we'll spend money on other things. And, and if it's our mental health, it's it's so worth it. Mm-hmm. I, I remember um, back in the back in the day um (laughs) when uh i my ex-husband and i we we took couples counseling and uh we found the therapist to be incredibly insightful um and they didn't fail because we ended up splitting (laughs) up but but i mean they were so good and i I remember i wanted to refer them to other people i was Mm -hmm. like man this person is great and Mm -hmm. and sometimes the power word of mouth is is uh, is great too and we won't know of these resources until we ask until somebody knows so simply by sharing your authentic story one can never one never knows that someone might say hey you know what i know somebody that can help you with this or i know something that can help you with this and we talked about earlier on with second city you know uh we were both going through challenging times and then we said you know what let's well, what can we do or like what can you do you were going through a very challenging time and then you joined this different community and i'm sure it you have a huge smile on your face that's great so, so i'm sure like that helped too in, in in you know meeting different people and your attitude and and had a lot to do so i do i do think it's a holistic approach with with happiness or if we want to be less depressed or deal with the emotional baggage however it's up to us to then also look at youtube there are some famous therapists that have videos out there that are for free and they have their some people tape their lectures and and there's so much knowledge these are like i like nuggets of gold out there and i don't think enough people are going on there and listening to these things or reading books because many of these therapists psychologists have published books um, about whatever topic you may be going through. So I do think we have the power, not just with our network, our community, our, our medical practitioners and professionals, but also through these professionals that share on their books and on YouTube and on, you know, for free. Mm-hmm. All you need is a good internet connection for mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And for those that don't have that, they can still go to the library or other resources. So the onus still becomes on us, you know, to to look at it from a holistic viewpoint and try to navigate from there. And if I'm able to learn the social skills there, I'm able to teach others. And I'm not saying lecture others, but simply by my leading as an example, right? You're able to inspire and, and have that positive domino effect in terms of the happiness culture. I I do think that's still a problem that's just inherent with the way people present, you know, here's what you can do to be happy or I'm so like this is happiness. And I think we're constantly comparing on social media. So that's kind of having an effect, having an effect on us and how, oh, no, my life's in shambles. (laughs) Like, I don't have this or I don't have that. So anyway, I, I, I touched upon a lot of things just now. And I'm glad you did. 
Um, well, first of all, I want to apologize if I misspoke earlier and made it sound like I don't believe in therapy or it's a bad choice and they're just going to no, you know, give you drugs or anything <laughs> like that. Uh, I'm not saying that at all. There are a lot of great therapists out there, and you're right. Uh, there are several that uh, can offer you prescribed medications, and some will not. Some mm -hmm. will give you the more of the holistic. Um, I guess my point was um, it's not always um, as available as we'd like it to be. Right. And um, it can be a little bit shorter in terms of uh, time that they can spend with you. But you made a really great point in that, you know, we kind of bashed social media a little bit earlier and, and with, with uh, you know, with justification for that. But at the same time, there are a lot of great things on social media. Like you said, there are videos and websites and that sort of thing where you can get resources or find resources um, that are free. And you can watch those videos and, uh, you know, get... Uh, books through your library that you can read online mm -hmm. not just in person um, and, and I think that's a really fabulous point uh, and also we have to remember that there are 24-hour helplines for this sort of thing too and you don't have to necessarily be in crisis to call them mm -hmm. even if you're just feeling lonely and you need someone to talk to uh, it doesn't always have to be about I'm having suicidal thoughts mm -hmm. um, now to get away from that for a second you know you brought it back around to society and our need to see happiness all over the place <laughs> what do you think the reason for that is what do you think's behind that i think it's uh something that we talked about our inability to handle complex emotions through a lack of training and resources and when i say resources i mean having um wholesome relationships with people I do feel like we live in a world where it's uh, something's broke and we just like next, you know, like just like items. And, and I, I see this a lot. I don't want to sound like a cliche, but, you know, people say, well, back in the day when we think you would buy products, they were made to last right you would fix them if something was broken you would take them to the repair guy or take your shoes to the cobbler i had a big bag of shoes that i had to take to the cobbler and so many of my friends were just stunned because it was by the door for a while because i was procrastinating and they're like what you do that i'm like why wouldn't i what it's so hard to find a good pair of a comfortable stylish shoe as women oh that's a different topic but um men too <laughs> and um I I do think it's this attitude that if something is broken, I'm not going to fix it because guess what? I've got this whole line of other products available. And we, unfortunately, I feel like we treat people the same way. Uh, whether it's lovers, I'm, I'm you know, if I, if some, if a conflict is there, then, oh, if I'm not happy, then, oh, something must be wrong in my relationship. Or if I'm fighting all the time, something must be wrong. Well, actually it is if you're fighting all the time, but actually I'm surprised at how many people think that a happy relationship is one where you don't have fights. Mm -hmm. It's actually, I think it's, it's a good, it's a healthy part of a relationship when you have uh, fights because you are, are when our partners challenge us that's how we grow that's how we learn that's how we develop mm -hmm. so but but we have to pick the things we want to fight about i think that's a different battle now we're going into relationship territory that's something different going back to like well why are we so obsessed with being happy is it's again th again this lack of experience on how to mend and fix broken emotions and relationships and i think that maybe comes with our childhood upbringing um you know um 
I love my parents, bless their hearts. I know everyone in the, you know, they had their intentions, they did their best, but uh, everyone goes through these things. M many of us do. And, and also, again, I think what we're, what we see on TV too, right? We, we compartmentalize uh, happiness into like a, a beautiful painting of the shows that we have. So we'll think, well, if my life isn't like that, then something must be wrong. And then I must seek answers. And but but maybe the answer was already there. We just had to nurture and grow and, and sift through all those emotions. So it's I do feel like it's this lack of wanting to experience all those emotions because we're so uncomfortable with experiencing them. And also, obviously, marketing like the media has, has like monetized our happiness to the point where it's, it's sickening it's unhealthy right and what is marketing is you know again desire right it's I, I had this conversation with another my friend on a podcast that i brought up this madman quote right like we're selling happiness mm -hmm. right hey you want this car you have a picture of someone happily driving on it or or like someone's drinking coke or shaving their legs but they're by a waterfall <laughs> like i'd like to go to a waterfall and shave my legs but you know, like everything is just so dramatized yeah. and out of proportion out of context and it's and we we may if someone has is mature and emotionally intelligent they will laugh at that but not all of us would we would then just take that as a package and think well, I guess every time I shave, it has to be this perfect ritual. Um, and shaving is just one thing. It could be anything from drinking my water to, to, to the way I talk to people. So I think it's just uh, happiness has been glamorized and monetized that it's being fed into us, you know, and, and even social media, it's, it's really monetized now, too. It's not very authentic it's it's about money it's about feeding you what you need to hear to have that perfect life so then i can get paid for it mm. yeah I, nobody wants to be unhappy we know that um the fact of the matter is though there is unhappiness in the world and we are allowed to feel sad sometimes um and true yeah yeah um but again this desire to have happiness 100% of the time, 24 hours a day, is just outlandish. Yeah. Uh, and you're right, you know, we are sold happiness on a day-to-day -day basis, not just by advertisers, not just on social media, but, you know, everywhere. Um, except maybe the news. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> going oh, back to the news again. Story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, soul despair as well. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, nobody wants to be unhappy. We know that, but it's out there and it's good to acknowledge it. And it's good to, you know, we talked about this in the first podcast that we did together when we talked about love and loss. It's okay to acknowledge it because we all go through it mm -hmm. and we can all help each other out through it. Mm -hmm. And we don't have to be therapists for each other. We can just be there for each other. It's like I said earlier, if, if someone just lets me know that I'm being heard and I'm being taken seriously, that means more to me than anything else. I don't need them to sit down with me for an hour and listen to me whine and complain mm -hmm. or moan or tell them what's going on or anything like that. I just need them to acknowledge it and take it seriously and not just brush it over. Mm. And I think if we do that for each other, that's a great start. Right. But to avoid it just because we don't want to deal with it or because we haven't learned how to deal with it or because 
oh, God forbid there be any kind of unhappiness in this world. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that's not helping anyone out, including ourselves. Yeah, thank you. That's really well said. Um, I so the onus is at the end. Once again, it's on ourselves, right? It's if I don't know how to deal with it, I have to learn how to deal with it because that's an integral part of part of life. So I think me as an individual, I need to take individual responsibility and accountability on sharpening my social skills, understanding that uh, it's okay to feel all kinds of human emotions, that I'm, my life isn't in imminent danger or threat if I'm feeling sad. So um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, so I, I need to then educate myself uh, so I can react better to people too, not just if how I can communicate better as the giver of, of these com comments, but also as a receiver, like how do I react and then therefore be a better friend, be a better support. But also if I'm doing that, if I'm paying it forward, then I would expect that for me too. And it just makes the world a better place overall. You know, if we if we try to shift out of our one dimensional characters and, and just say, you know what, I, I don't have to be a character on TV. I'm I have many layers and it's okay to have many layers because it's human to have many layers. Yeah. <laughs> I, I agree. And this is why I said what I said earlier about the fact is I'm tired of, and I have been for a long time of putting on that brave face, so to speak. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that in general, but you can't do it all the time. And I got really tired of it. I got tired of the lack of authenticity and having to tell people I was okay when I wasn't. You know, I'm not comfortable with lying that way. And um, so I'm at a point now in my life, being 537 years old, <laughs> that I, I don't care for um, hiding my emotions. If I'm feeling fine, great. If I'm not feeling fine, great. I'm going to let you know about it. And more often than not, if someone asks me how I am and if I'm not doing good and I tell them, you know, they'll back away a little bit. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. You know, that just tells me something about them in terms of they don't want to deal with it they're not comfortable with it they're not equipped to and that's okay um i'll then just save it for the people who i know i can rely on but i'm not going to lie and bs and basically say hey i'm great when i'm not yeah um you mentioned your age and it made me uh laugh and you always make yourself seem much older than you uh, you are in in reality one thing that i really appreciate and i see this with uh, older individuals is that you just, call, you just said I wasn't old. <laughs> <laughs> no, I am saying older because I'm going to bring up this show on TV <laughs> that's called Kaminsky Method. Oh, it's with Michael Douglas. Um, and it's a fantastic show. I really liked it because I really, I love the relationship that he has with his best friend, uh, also played by a very famous actor. He's hilarious. He's actually my favorite character in the show. Um, but what I love about it, that it's so unfiltered, it's so authentic, it's so genuine. And I feel like sometimes people go through their whole lives until they're very old. And that's when they're like, yep, I don't have time for this. So it was actually very refreshing. So if you ever watch the Kaminsky method, the, the dynamic between Michael Douglas and his best friend. Oh, my goodness. It's it's hilarious from a comedic perspective, but it's also very authentic and true. They just say what they want to say and they feel have like you see that emotions and experiences unfold so i do uh, i actually commend you on on 
wanting to be more authentic. And no, you're not as old as Michael Douglas <laughs> in the Kaminsky <laughs> method. I was alluding to him. <laughs> Nobody's as old as Michael Douglas. <laughs> no, I'm sorry, Mr. Douglas. I'm just kidding. Uh, he did a fantastic job in that. Um, anyway, um, well, thank you so much, Andrew, for joining. Uh, this has been a wonderful conversation. One that actually finds its way into many other conversations. And I hope it doesn't stop. I, I do feel that this dialogue... Um, if it continues, it can do us all a lot of good. And, and hopefully um, you'll bring it up with your friends and family and, and maybe pay attention to how authentic you are. And maybe if we're uncomfortable, you know, feeling that emotion, then feel it, go with it. Just, just trust the process and it's okay to be sad. It's so it's okay to celebrate good times, but it's also okay to, to be sad and allow yourself to grieve and go through emotions. So um, yeah. Any, any last thought, thoughts? No, no, uh, <laughs> no, I, I appreciate this conversation as well. I always love my conversations with you. As you know, we can sit around for six hours talking and go into 45,000 different directions. <laughs> Which has actually happened. It has happened before. <laughs> uh, I'm sure it'll happen again. Um, but I, I also want to thank you for your patience with me when my train goes off the tracks, as it does very often. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, and you wait for me to get it back on. I really appreciate that. But uh, no, it's, it's a great conversation. I love listening to the things you have to say. I always learn so much from you every time we talk. And I've told you that before, and I'll tell you that again. Uh, you're a great teacher and uh, I'm so grateful to uh, to know you and to learn from you because oh my god you have so much to offer and you're so wise for someone who's like you know 21 years old I'm not 21 <laughs> <laughs> thank you thank you so much wow I feel like I've won an award um, I'm going to give my speech I'd like to thank the universe um, <laughs> no I'm, I'm joking <laughs> thank you so much I really appreciate it uh, it means a lot and I too learn a lot from you uh, from our insightful, uh, interesting conversations. And this is what inspired me really to do to do a podcast. And I thought, uh, you know, with, with many people, uh, when we have these conversations, there's so much to learn. So thank you so much. I do learn a lot from you as well. And I'm happy that I could be also there for inspiration and education. Absolutely, you certainly are. And I'm sure I'm not the only one who feels that way. But uh, thank you so much for this. I really, uh, really appreciate it. Excellent. So if you wanted to, thanks, Andrew. If you if you wanted to catch a, this podcast, you can go to www.aartysana.com, artisana.com. Under the podcast section, you'll be able to view all of these uh, and this conversation and many more. Um, similarly, you can go to Spotify or Apple Podcasts and find this recording under the title Sana Talks to People and Sometimes Yourself. Thank you so much for joining in.